Hey everybody, welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that deep dives into the expanded universe of Star Wars through TV, movies, books, and everything else. I am Peter, and we are discussing Book of Boba Fett, episode, chapter two, I should say. But before we get there, I want to say hello to my Boba BFF. Wow, that I... took a long time to introduce me. Is this the Peter show now? Oh, jeez. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> jeez. No, I just didn't think of an intro. Um, these ones are a little more off the cuff. They're a yeah. little bit more, um, you know, flying by the butt of our pants. By the so, butt of our pants. So I realized the second I pressed record, I didn't think of an intro for this one. So I think that's okay. I ad-libbed, uh, and that's what happens. Mike, how are you? <laughs> I am fine. You're fine. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know why I ask. You're fine. It's just a question. It's a question yeah. I don't care to answer on a Star Wars podcast. Fair enough. How are yeah. you? Do you um, care to answer? I am doing well. Um, I am. No, I don't care to answer. Oh, boy. I'm scattered. This whole ad living thing stresses me out. This, this is why is I stopped doing going improv. so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do you want to jump into this, Mike? You want to sure. get all the babbling out of the way and do some slightly more structured babbling and talk yeah. about Book of Boba Fett, that chapter wonderful. two. Let's do it. All right, cool. Um, so I don't remember. Do we have any sort of structure for this at all? Or should I just <laughs> ask you, do you like this episode? It's called Tribes of Tatooine. Um, and I remember we left our last episode saying that we were intrigued and excited about what was to come. Did this help pay you pay it off a little bit? Do you have a little bit more of a direction and feeling of this series, Mike? Um, maybe not going to answer that so up so up on the top. Um, but kind of more you're just so GD mysterious. Oh, won't no. tell people how you're feeling. Won't tell people how you like things. No, no, no. It's <laughs> it's it's because part of this part of I actually don't do that thing where after I watch an episode I go like, do I like that or not? It's the same thing with movies. I'll see a movie and I don't go like I like that when I leave. It it does media takes a lot of processing for me. Interesting. And I tend actually to not process these shows until you and I sit down to have a conversation because. I kind of feel like that's a fun place to discover how I feel um, mm. is in that medium. So it's less about like, you know, it's almost hard for me to answer at the start of our conversation, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That is an interesting way to think about this um, and probably probably a healthy one. But what, where do you want to start then? What, what, what stood out to you for this episode? Um, that it was, it's, it, it kind of it's continuing to play on the beats we talked about earlier um, in our first episode that are like this isn't there's are so many things that uh, exemplify this but this isn't the book of Boba Fett that I think some people thought they were going to get of mm-hmm. him being a you know a badass bounty hunter and I think it's really working and it is it's appearing to be a lot more of a thoughtful show. Yeah, I agree. And I think I, I, I do like to process my feelings pretty much after I, I'm, a, I, <clears throat> I'm the kind of guy who I'll, 
I'll watch a movie and then I'll listen to five podcasts and oh, wow. I'll read all this stuff about it. And I'll go into my room and I'll go to my fortress of solitude and close wow. the door and ponder about how I feel about something. Wow. And so I, I am feeling optimistic. I was still a little bit worried, but optimistic, um, with the last episode. I am thinking it is definitely trending in the right direction. I agree. Like I, you said, I wholeheartedly agree. Ex- yeah. And like you said, they're not, the formula hasn't changed. They haven't done anything necessarily different than what they did last episode. Again, I'll put the analogy, and I know it's a little bit of a weird one, of it being kind of like an indie movie because there isn't is. a lot of three-act structure. There isn't a, here's the problem of the week, fix it, then, you know, or like problem do some sort of heist or some sort of adventure and then the problem is fixed or whatever it's sitting in a space with a person kind of learning about an environment learning about you know just Tatooine and also the dual timelines I think is actually really interesting yeah yeah it's the dual timelines are really interesting and I think it's starting to work more and more um yeah it's it's admittedly we I mean do you, do you watch this? You, I'm assuming you watch this the night it comes out. Um, I do too, yeah. and it's it's Sunday today, and I usually would have watched this a second time by now, uh, and I haven't yet be, uh, for the podcast. Um, and so I'm trying to remember kind of the beat by beat stuff, but it's interesting thinking about what sticks out in my mind. And it's it is I mean it's a large part of the episode, but it it really is the um, this episode had a lot more focus on. Him with the uh, the Gorfus, with yeah. the uh, I guess is I, I'm thinking in my head that's probably the politically correct way to say <laughs> Tuscan Raiders. I yeah. mean, we've had this rant before where you know Tuscan Raiders as reductive to you know <laughs> it would be like calling I don't know all people by an event in their history. It'd be like calling yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. from Boston like oh you're the Tea Partiers, <laughs> like, yeah. Which sounds like a sports team that they would actually have. We're the yeah. Boston Tea Partiers. Uh, yeah, and then right, obviously, sand people is. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the tone of it doesn't sound great. Yeah, yeah. Um, guessing uh, it's it's native Tatooiners to steal uh, steal something from Star Wars Minute. I think that's a good native uh, Tatooiners. Yeah, that, that's a that, good way to put it. Yeah, but I, I think technically their species is Gorfus. Yeah, I don't remember, but I think that might be true. Um, I think it is. But yeah, speaking of the native Tatooiners, I think it's still working for me, the dual timelines. I am looking forward to it spending more time in the quote-unquote present um, because there's so many interesting kind of Easter eggs with that. I do like that they we got to the mayor very quickly. Um, I'm glad that wasn't strung along for multiple episodes. And I also I, I want to shout out that this Ithorian uh, just whatever the the costume and the whole staging of the Ithorian was so cool. We've seen in Rebels, uh, Old Joe, because the Ithorians have two mouths that kind of, uh, yeah. they can't actually form the words that are used in basic. So they have to use that translator that's like weird things sticking out the side of their mouth that yeah. translates Ithorian language. And it's a cool thing to see in live action. I thought they pulled that off really well. And I just yeah. thought this whole... Kind of yeah. Again, it's it's almost Godfather in space. Um, yeah. This being introduced to the new huts and that whole thing with their pres- their procession of their what's it called the litter. Yeah, um, I thought like that 
all those shades are very interesting to me. And I like the backstory of, I'm not sick of the native Tatooine or backstory, especially this one. It seems to be growing and there's some cool stuff there. I will say, I don't know. What do you think? Maybe it's 75% flashback, 25% quote unquote present time. Yeah. There's, there's very few present time in this episode. This is definitely a, a flashback heavy episode. I don't think we're going to be seeing many more of those. I'm assuming we will get quite a bit um, on Shenick or Shenick Fan. Yeah, uh, I feel like I butchered her name, but um, Fennec Shand. Yeah, you just flip the <laughs> flip the letters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there it is. It, and aside from that, I'm thinking the kind of the later half of this is going to be um, pretty present day heavy. But I think these first four, three or four episodes are going to be establishing the why, the motive, or like the, you know, the person behind the technique to some degree. Totally. Which I think is cool. And I'm going to make a prediction that I think you're, we're going to see um, something that the Mandalorian did and a lot of shows do is they introduce a lot of characters um, and then they have them all meet in the end kind of thing. Like mm. everyone gets back together to solve the problem. Um, and I think we're going to see uh, the Gorfus. Uh, I think I'm just going to say Tuscan Raiders. I know it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see the Raiders um, yeah. come back in the end to be part of some. Well, I'll just jump into it. I, I think he is. I think Fett is going to be establishing this as their home. I actually see him as like a, a liberator. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and I, 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 I feel like it's the right time in culture. Mm-hmm. And I think. There is some on-screen evidence. Um, I'm just going to kind of jump into some stuff I really want to talk about, which yeah, is the, the moment that at the end when Boba Fett is kind of accepted into the Fremen. I mean, the... <laughs> um, I'm and, so glad you're getting here because that's actually the next thing I wanted to talk about. Okay, good. Well, the, that moment when he's accepted or, you know, he's he's made one of them and then he, you know... I you know video game scene of him getting his his weapon and clothes mm-hmm. and all that stuff, which I love. I'm a sucker for that stuff. It happened in the Mandalorian as well. But long rant. He, uh, when he gets those, he comes out and he kind of there's another you know that another Tuscan Raider and I, I think they're trying to set it up as like now they duel as like you know this is part of their this is part of who they are and what they do and the kind of people they yeah. are. But they don't. They do this kind of beautiful dance and I loved that they did that instead of fight. I thought that was I agree amazing heartedly. I thought that like ceremonial dance at the end was beautiful and captivating yeah. in such a cool way. This episode it. was yeah. uh directed by Steph Green wow. um who is it's interesting she has worked on a bunch of other shows. I don't know and some of them are like, you know, like Luke Cage, I thought was okay. Man, the High Castle, I heard people oh, like. Luke Cage. I forgot that it was a yeah. show. But there's some shows like Preacher I really liked she worked on. But she, she also worked on Watchmen, which I think is one of the best shows mm-hmm. I've seen in a really long time. And I was so impressed about the direction of this episode. I thought it was so, so, so good. And that last, that last dance that you're talking about, I think, kind of capped it off just beautifully. And that's, that's again, like I'm, I'm going to say this a million times, but that feels like an indie movie. Yeah. Move, you know, it was a satisfying conclusion. It was emotional. It was something that I was like, 
okay, dang, this this capped a, an episode and really kind of blew me away in a cool way. And yeah. it wasn't a big monster. It, <clears throat> it wasn't a fight scene, you know? It yeah. wasn't something that we would usually see in Star Wars or Marvel, which I really liked. Yeah, I think it's great. And I also think it's like part of flipping, you know, obviously it's laden with social comments, but just the really the right ones about, <laughs> you know, not judging people or cultures based on the history books that were given to us mm-hmm. and the history book that was given to us here was <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> our source materials. It's largely attack of the clones and a new hope. And both those set the Gorfus up as mindless, you know, it's the first thing mm-hmm. Obi-Wan says, you know, they're mindless creatures, which is it's interesting. I wonder if that's ever going to be retconned that Obi-Wan said that. Cause it makes him look ignorant to some degree. Yeah, Totally. Um, which is funny and I don't think he is ignorant. I just think it was written by George Lucas in the seventies. Um, but I, I just love this kind of flipping what you think, you know, about these culture and these people on their head and it really being this thing about like, no, it's empathy and understanding. And it's like, it's not their problem. It's your problem because you're first of all, invading their homeland (laughs) and, yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I, I have two things I want to bring up. First is it's funny because the retconning of Obi-Wan, there's another point I was thinking about is when he talks about seeing the Jawa cruiser and all the blast marks and he's like, these shots are too precise that, to be Tusken Raiders or whatever. He's like, they're, they usually shoot clumsy and random. This was definitely done by Imperial stormtroopers. Whereas in every evidence we have seen so far shows that Stormtroopers can't hit anything. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tusken Raiders can, you know, bullseye a romp at, a womp rat, like we see and snipe someone from a million yards away through this little window on a fast moving train. So, you know, th- I wonder if all that stuff will be retconned. And I wonder if there is something about that. Um, and I think that's a, you mentioned the Fremen. That's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit. You know, I, I don't want to spoil too much in Dune. Personally, yeah, this isn't. We can I mean, spoil. We're I'm talking about. Dune. I know, but I'm talking about like the book and things like that because people probably just watch the movie yeah, and they. I think we're in safe company. I would say spoil away. I would say if you don't want a Dune spoiler, first of all, it's not a Dune podcast. So yeah, I mean that's that's part of the reason why. Well, I personally want to be careful. You can do whatever you want. I I don't want to um, talk about anything that didn't come out in the movie because right, I think I would be bummed if I hadn't like read the whole book and then. I, I told people how the mo- next movie is going to end. So that being said, um, the thing that I do think is interesting is some of the criticism of Dune, Dune is just like, oh, we've seen this before. It's the hero's journey. It's like the blah, 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 blah. It's all this stuff. Like they didn't do anything new in this movie. But the thing that's interesting is because the book established all of this stuff. And so, you know, Book of Boba Fett in a way is almost being influenced by Dune even though it's a newer, th- I don't know. It's a really interesting 100%. thing. This is such a Fremen story, and there's so many things about it. There, in Dune, there's this species of people who, you know, the evil people who control the planet. They think there's only ten thousand of them, but really, there's millions of them. And they're all hiding underground. We talk, we hear in this that the Tuscans are way more organized, and they all live underground. And there's a lot more of them, and they control the Dune Sea. Um, you know exactly what you're saying. An outsider coming into the Raiders, quote unquote, or the Fremen, and learning their warrior ways, being robed in their clothing, p- 
picking up their culture and becoming one of them to fight against something that was established in Dune. And all these things were brought up originally in A New Hope, and those themes are certainly continuing continuing in this in a very interesting way. And yeah. so, I don't know. I just, I love that storytelling. I love Dune. I love kind of the ideas of it because Dune, again, is a very quiet book. It's not about the flashy scenes. It's not about blowing things up. It's about learning about a culture and learning about yourself and growing in a really interesting way. Yeah. Uh, there is something in the in the book that they, or in the movie that they make very explicit that isn't said specifically in the book that I think is really cool. And it's the opening line where Chani, the Zendaya character, has a voiceover. And she says something along the lines of like, this is our home world and they're, you know, the occupiers come and they, they hold us down and we fight them. But it's just another long line of occupiers that keep trying to get us, something like that. And I think that's an interesting thing where there's this idea of desert power. There's the native people who are strong. They have a culture, but the occupying force is coming here and they're like, oh, they're just backwards people who, you know, they're just, what did they say? There's a specific word in this. One of the, this, the Pike syndicate people were like, oh, we thought they were like cultureless, um, something like that. They said something derogatory about them, specifically stating that the people who live here don't understand anything about the native tattooers, And I think it's interesting that we're really exploring that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a lot there, um, touch back on Dune. I mean, first of all, I just think it's hilarious when people mm-hmm. would say to Dune that, you know, there's nothing new in that movie. I and know. it's like, yeah, there's nothing new in that movie because they, because in- he invented it. Yeah, totally. And it was it's been stolen for 50 years until now. So, yeah. yeah, and of course, he didn't Herbert didn't, you know, invent the hero's journey and neither did Joseph Campbell, but you know, Joseph Campbell was one of the first ones to Yeah, re- really, Jesus did. Re- yeah, really, you know, e- explain it well. He he's he's the Shakespeare to some degree. It's like Shakespeare yeah. didn't write anything and he wrote two plays. But he just took the stories that were out there and made them great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I don't know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> it's just kind of a joke to me when I, I've heard so many, totally. so much criticism about Dune. And it's like, listen, there would be no Star Wars without Dune, and mm-hmm. things like actually like Dune and a, another show I've not watched, but I've read the first book, which is Foundation on HBO. Those two were pivotal. Yeah, um, and uh, obviously Kurosawa and blah blah blah. There's so many things westerns. But all these source material, the true source materials are, are, I mean, where Boba Fett is the fruit of that, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome to see. And it's you know, it's even my my wife who's seen Dune while we were watching Boba Fett, she was like, "Did they just say, you know, the uh, the Dune Sea?" And she's like, are yeah. they, "Did they steal that?" And I was like, "Yeah, hundred percent." Yeah, but, we literally uh, see spice floating into the in the wind. Yeah, and they which ask is a, a scene from and the they movie ask about, and the book. <laughs> yeah, they ask about spice. Like, are you yeah. you know? And so it's it's just littered with that. So I mean, I'm not saying like if you're a Star Wars fan, like you know, go read Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. You should read Dune. Everyone should read Dune. <laughs> but it's definitely one of my favorite books. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah. Well, I'll pause there because I've said a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I think you said also the Western thing too. I think this was in a way almost the most Western-y Western that they have done in the new Star Wars. I think Mandalorian. Well, I'm thinking like, like think about the train heist, like going on, like 
mean, like take replace the the speeders that they steal. You know what? I feel like what movie is it? There's a, there's a ton of movies. I mean, that happens. That's a half of Solo is a train heist. I know, but it doesn't. Does Solo feel like like in the like? It's true that that's like a that's a thing that has happened. But it, there's a specific movie I'm thinking of. I can't remember what it is, but there's a western where there's a cowboy who's like a badass and he gets stranded in the wilderness and meets a bunch of Native Americans and then like teaches the Native Americans how oh, to ride horses. Are you talking about to, Dances with Wolves? I don't remember. Maybe it is. And then they like ride horses and like use guns and do a train heist to like kick the people off of the land that are mm. that are screwing with the native people like i i just i just think that those tropes stood out to me a lot i think that this is very i'm saying that to bring up that this is leaning more so into the influences of original star wars than anything else i have felt before because yeah. yeah there's a train heist in solo but like that didn't feel very you know yeah. a new hope to me that didn't feel George Lucasy to me. I think this feels very George Lucasy to me, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I was going to say the things, the most, just to, you know, I don't want to argue, but I'm going to argue. The, hmm. the most Western thing I've seen in Star Wars, I felt like, was the Mandalorian episode when he freaking goes to the town and whatever the sheriff's name is, who he gets uh, Boba Fett's armor from. Oh, yeah. That one uh, felt. Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One <laughs> that of the one best felt people in the world. So freaking west. That was like the most one of the most western things I've ever yeah. seen. I felt like I'm watching. So I'm watching it on. I'm watching it in in the background on mute just to see oh. while we're talking right now. And I'm at the scene right now where they go to Tashi Station, and he like goes in and sees kicks up kicks down the door of the bar and like beats up all the people in the bar and then walks out. Like I pretty much like could hear yeah. the cowboy whistle as he, as this scene unfolds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's real. Uh, bringing that up though, I want to talk about a couple of the Easter eggs. I'm sure you picked up on, on a lot of these, but I want to go through them. Um, I want to go through them with you and get your reaction. Cause I know you're not as tuned into a lot of this stuff. Have you read anything or noticed any of the Easter eggs? Were there any of them that stood out to you that you really like this episode? I didn't as much. Um, or not that I didn't. It's 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 been a while, so I don't. It's been a while, so I don't really mm-hmm. remember. It's been a while. So uh, yeah, yeah. So um, there's actually a lot of Easter eggs in this in a cool way. Um, so I noticed. Did you know that the scene with the Nikto where he comes in that bar that is Tashi Station? Uh, I did. I mean, no, I I, I didn't know that was directly that. If, yeah. if you had asked me where is that, I probably would have said that just mm-hmm. because I was like, I don't know, tattooing Tashi Station. But That's I didn't funny. know that. Yeah. That's so. The interesting thing though is those two people that were like kind of cowering. Those are Luke's friends from from A New Hope. That deleted huh. scene where he's like, I want to yeah. go to Tashi Station with my friends. That's Cammy, and then what's the other guy's name? Oh, geez, I don't know. But I'm gonna look it up real quick. Um. Oh, Lay's Fixer, uh, Lone Zoner. So those are, remember, we always make fun that that's the deleted scene where like yeah, Luke exactly. and they call him Wormy and stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's who those two people love are. love Wormy. Wormy it's, is my favorite Luke. Farm Boy Wormy is my favorite. Yeah. So these are like his townie friends from before he left A New Hope. Uh, and uh, that's where he was going to go to pick up power converters, a.k.a. evidently that's code for, like, drink with my friends. Oh, is that? <laughs> that's what I'm assuming. Uh, he's like, I want to go to Tashi Station and pick up some power converters. No, he just wants to go get drunk with his friends because evidently uh, it's a bar. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Um, so that was cool. There's one big one that I, I'm surprised you didn't you didn't um, pick up on, and it's the Wookie. Did he look familiar? Yeah. To you? Oh yeah. It's from it's from. I mean, yeah. I mean, I did pick up on that. And yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I've not researched it, but I believe we first see. Don't say his name because I know mm-hmm. it's a he. It's Kaz something. It's like K A Z something. But I remember him from the Doctor Afra uh, comics. Because Dr. Afra had like an evil team of like triple <laughs> zero yeah. and whatever evil R2D2 is. And then that guy. Um, is yep. that right? Yeah, that is right. Yeah, His I name is fr- Black. There it is. That's it. Yeah. He is. Yeah. I, I actually love the Dr. Afra comics and I am itching for an Afra anything. Um, yeah, totally. But that was one of the things that excited me is, yeah, so so he, he plays a big role in the Afro comics and the Darth Vader comics, too. Yeah, yeah. He, he has had arcs um, where he works for the Wookiees, and I don't know the Gladiator thing, but that's how it's kind of confirmed. I mean, obviously, he looks exactly like him, but Boba says something like, you can bring as many Gladiators as you want, and Black Chrysanthemum is like, his, he is a Gladiator. So yeah, that is who it is. And then that obviously yeah. made me think about are we going to get Afra? Are we going to get triple zero and whatever oh his name God. is? The evil, the evil R2D2 and C3PO. Cause triple zero is the best. Triple, yeah. They're such funny characters. I really like them. It was freaking deadly. I love it. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, the, there's a couple little things. Um, Robert Rodriguez, the showrunner, what did the voice for the mayor, which is kind of a fun, just little Easter egg. Um, Ooh, and cool. then, these are less exciting to me, but I will say that um, they are kind of laying some track, tying it to Solo, which yeah. I don't know if we brought this up in the last episode. We definitely did. We definitely talked about Solo. Okay. I know oh, we, we talked, talked about, about it over text for sure. Yeah, we talked but, about Kira. Okay, good. I just want to double check because, yeah, I think maybe they're laying more track with Kira because this gang that are driving the train and transporting the spice through the Pike syndicate, yeah. which we first see in solo, a, clone, a star Wars story. Um, and they are the spice gang that run the Kessel lines. And so it was kind of cool to see them without their helmet. Um, I thought that was kind of a fun touch. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I'm seeing, I'm getting a lot of solo vibes. So I, again, I think I would yeah. be surprised if we see a Kira, Kira appearance at some point. Yeah. Um, it almost feels inevitable. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess we could be surprised, but I really feel like it's coming. Yeah. The one thing I will say is we theorized that the, the shield ninjas from the last episode were Crimson Dawn because of their colors. Um, they were revealed to be called Order of the Nightwind, which is a new thing This <clears throat> this uh, that we've never heard of. So we don't know what that is yet. It could be some sort of misdirect where like the order of the night wind is like the special shock troops for the, uh, the, you know, the crimson dawn. Um, but I I do want to call that out because we, we don't have any clear crimson dawn, um, mentions or anything like that, but I, I, I'm, I'm feeling the vibes. I'm feeling the force on that one. Yeah, I am too. Um, I think, I mean, in terms of the story, I don't know if there's anything else. I will say I'm not a big action guy, and I, but I actually thought that, again, shouting out Steph Green, the director, I thought the action in this was really good. I thought the train heist, especially comparing it to Solo, a Star Wars story, mm-hmm. <laughs> this train heist I thought was way cooler um, and more exciting. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. The actions, it's, uh, was kind of incredible on this episode. Yeah, totally. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to get to this. Uh, I got to look this up for next episode. I, cause we need to shout her out. The person who plays the like badass Raider in the black robes, yeah. kind of the warrior. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot her name. I apologize, but I feel like she is doing such a good job without any vocal yeah. acting or her body acting is so good in this. And I'm, I'm so impressed with what some of these people are able to do with the costumes that they're using. And I just, yeah, it's just great. So yeah. again, I'm impressed. I am really, there isn't a lot that has evolved in my opinion, other than I am more pleasantly surprised and happy than I was last week. And I just hope that continues. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, I uh, yeah, I, they, that just that, I mean, we've already said it, but that just ending made me so happy. The, uh, the dance at the end, it being yeah. a dance and not like this. Seriously. It, there's a lot that is surprising me. Um, uh, just a couple nuggets to call out that I really like. Um, I really liked this like train pilot droid and I thought he was very creepy. Again, oh, yeah. it reminded me a lot of Dune. Um, yeah. because it's, it's low, t- everything's very low tech in Dune and especially the part where the droid like jumps out of the train and then skitters off like a weird spider. I thought that was such a fun visual touch. Yeah. Um, and then another visual touch that I thought was great was when the hut show up and one of the hut cousins is using <laughs> like some sort of rodent as a rag to wipe its sweat. I, know, I, was like, I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah. I guess there's one last thing I want to bring up to you and just get your thoughts on this. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. There's two other things because I'm, again, I'm watching the episode. I can't believe we didn't talk about this. Um, we didn't talk about the weird psychedelic break with that lizard going up his nose. Oh, yeah. How did you what feel a, about that? I liked it. But to your point, it's feeling more and more like an indie movie, and I'm kind of just embracing it. Yeah. Um, and so to take this like, oh, I don't know. I mean, okay, so you're watching it right now. What was the yeah. purpose of this again? Like, what was the reason this happened? Yeah, so this was like after they did the train heist, this was kind of their, it, what I interpreted it as is this is how they started the initiating him into the native yeah. Tatooiner crew. And so he says, you're Go giving me a have gift. A, a vision kind of thing. Yeah. And so, again, it's a very tribal feeling thing. I thought it was so surprising, this lizard just jumping on his face. It looked like what it was. I don't know if this is true, but the leader of the tribe throws some spice into Boba's face and then the lizard tries to catch the spice and goes into his nose and just freaks out. And so the point of it was one very indie movie stuff getting weird. He's like seeing this tree in the middle of an ocean and the oceans from his home on Camino. He's getting wrapped up by the branches of the tree, which is like flashing him back to being inside the Sarlacc and then he's getting flashes of his father leaving off of Camino, just yeah. going back and forth through things like that, which I think that's very cool, trippy indie movie stuff. But functionally, the point was he seems to have just gone on some weird trip and like wandered into the desert and found a tree to get a branch to make his gaffy stick out of. Yeah. I loved, I love that. I love a good, like, I don't know why I love a good 
let's build our weapons and I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a big I'm a big gamer, but that happened in, you know, Mandalorian too with um you know, all all the armor he had to forge and build and I just think that stuff is great. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, this episode was like 55 minutes or something like that. Wow. And the train heist was done by 35 minutes in. And so that's another thing that I really like is a lot of other things that I would think was less um, carefully made. The train heist would be the big climactic thing at the end and it would end with the big crash and then they'd be like, this is Book of Boba Fett. But I like that the culmination of it was this weird trippy thing actually and then doing the cool dance. And so we've talked about in the animated stuff especially, we love when Star Wars gets weird. And so that's one of the things that I like just on its face. I yeah. like that it got trippy. I like that it got weird. I like that there's this weird vision thing. And so I'm glad that they felt safe to do that because that was one of my concerns, especially in light of uh, Last Jedi and kind of the blowback of that is that they would play a more safe story. And I'm glad that they're not. I, I thought yeah. that was really, really great. And I yeah. agree with you that, you know, he's this, tr- this happens. And then we spend a lot of time just watching him make a weapon, which yeah. I am not, I am surprised that they did that and very happily and pleasantly surprised that they did that. Yeah. And so I, I loved that whole, I loved that whole bit. Um, and then the actual um, last thing that I wanted to bring up was, um, you know what? I don't even remember what it was. I'm just so enamored with this, with this freaking scene that we forgot. I thought that that part was so good. Yeah. And so maybe I'll just remember what it was next week, but well, I thought, I, I'd be interested. I, I feel like, I mean, this, uh, the whole, like, you know, have a spiritual journey thing mm-hmm. is, is not by any means the idea of the show creators, right? It's a very mm-hmm. borrowed kind of um, device, both from actual cultures and media. Can you remember any time, any movies, any shows where you've seen something like this and it be done well? I'm, I'm, I feel like I want to, I want to have an analog to reference it mm. back to because that just helps me. Can you think of anything? Off the top of my head, I mean, my memory is just not that good. I I like, I mean, Star Wars is one that comes to mind, obviously. You know, the Force tree in Empire Strikes oh, Back is a weird thing. Like, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, there's some weirdness that we both enjoy in Last Jedi that I think is cool. There's the weird caves that have the dark side. There's the, you know, the Force visions between Rey and Kylo Ren that yeah. maybe some people bristled at a little bit, but that felt very Star Wars. I mean, you know, the for- the tree where Yoda shows up and when Luke's about to burn the tree, things like that. You know, that happens in Empire Strikes Back. That happens in A New Hope when he, I mean, it's it's much more subtle, but it happens when he, he uh, when Obi-Wan tells him to use the Force after he disappears and we think he's dead. That I, that happens in Empire Strikes Back, and so um, I think it's used well there. And I'm sure that there are other examples that I can think of. But I will agree that it's usually a trope that is not done well. Yeah. Um, it's usually lazy shorthand for something, mm-hmm. like of uh, someone's earned something kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't want to make my character actually do some sort of journey. 
emotionally. So I'm just going to make them like drink some weird tea and then have visions. And then now they're a different person. And I don't feel like that's what this is. And that's one of the reasons I like it. It's less about Boba Fett changing because he was already who he is. You know, he was already helping the the Raiders. He was already doing this. It was more of a initiation, right? You know, he was being jumped into the crew. (laughs) Yeah. And that is what it felt like. And I think about, I feel like you more often see those happen in coming of age stories, but to some, to some degree coming of age, isn't necessarily about age. It's about, Mm -hmm. it can be an emotional coming of age or mental or spiritual, right? It can just be, it's just, it's more so about the journey of a character. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's seems to be what it's been used for here. I, I think about, and I just think about, I don't know, this is just coming to mind. I don't even know why, because I don't even like this movie too much, but in that movie 300, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, in their, you know, in their, what is it, Spartan culture? Is it Spartan? I don't know why I'm thinking, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the little boys would go out into the woods and live there until they could, you know, survive on their own or kill and kill like a, a whatever, a saber-toothed tiger or something. Um but that was very much like an initiation, like to be in our culture, you have to go through and survive this. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, Dune again, Dune. <laughs> I'll bring that up. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at like, I, I just Googled movies with psychedelic scenes that work. Um, <clears throat> Midsummer was one that I liked that had some mm-hmm. trippy saw. psychedelic stuff. Train spottings on here, which I've actually never seen, but I know people really like that. Yeah. I mean, God, I, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that since high school. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to. Um, I'd have to really give it a think. But I do think it works very well here. Um, and yeah, I think. Oh, there, there was one other. I think the last thing I wanted to point out is, <clears throat> I think that Tamara Morrison is mm. doing something kind of really interesting in this, and it irked me a little bit. I'd say because, like, I think his acting. Maybe I'm not super familiar with what he's going for because at first I was kind of like, he's making some weird, some faces. I'm not like, what are these faces he's making kind of his fight style and things like that. But I read a really interesting Reddit thread from someone who's Maori, who, if you're not familiar, um, so is Tamura Morrison. They're the native people of New Zealand. And what he's doing, these are all very Maori things. So the faces, like the really exaggerated faces that he's making when he fights with his gaffy stick, that at first I thought was just like maybe bad acting. That's actually a cultural thing that they do on purpose as part of their ritualistic fighting. You might have seen it in there's some, you know, New Zealand, you know, the All Blacks or a, yeah. a football team that they have a whole before a every rugby, game they do team. a rugby, sorry. I thought, yeah. Um they they do a whole Maori dance yeah. and uh it's just it's like the dance yeah, at the end of this and i think i think something that is interesting are the parallels between tamura morrison's actual culture which taika watiti i don't know how involved he is in this but i know he is in the star wars family now he's also from new zealand and part maori so i think there's actually some parallels with the dance at the end and the focusing on the native tattooers um that are kind of interesting in retrospect. And so I, that's the other thing that I just thought of that I want to call out. And I think that they're doing, it's something interesting that, that I just think should be talked about a little bit more. And I, I like it in retrospect. Well, that's cool because I actually love hearing that. Um, because one of my hot takes on, uh, kind of Tamar Morrison is that he's not, he wasn't really ever an actor. 
Mm-hmm. And he was kind of picked up for the for the for uh, for uh, you know the prequels. Yeah, and he was just out of his depth a little bit. And I felt like the first episode he didn't talk much. That mostly felt like an artistic decision that worked really well. Mm-hmm. But it also felt like somewhat of a decision to me to be like, <laughs> how much do we want him talking? Um, yes. Just because I don't know if he is, you know, a classic actor um, at his at his core. But he, but this is all working for him and working mm-hmm. for me, so it doesn't really. I don't really care either way. Absolutely, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying. That. I actually feel the same way. I think the the jury is out for me on his actual acting performance, and I I think his silence in this series is an intentional choice, but might be influenced a little bit by that. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, be. but also it's a Boba Fett thing. Like Boba Fett doesn't really talk in, yeah. in the original series. And neither too. does the Mandalorian. He didn't really talk. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I think it's a mix and I'm not a hundred percent sold on it there, but I do, there are some very, there were, there both episodes. There were specific. It's the face. That is the thing that's sticking out to me. They kind of f- almost freeze frame on this, when he hits someone with the gaffy stick and he's making just this really contorted, it looks like he's overacting, you know, this contorted mm. mean face. And I was just like, Oh man, he's really going for it in this scene. But then now when I bring in the cultural aspect of it, yeah. I think that that's actually much cooler. And I, yeah, I wish really that that cool. was spoken about a little bit more. Yeah. It's, it's super freaking cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you know how I feel about that episode. Are you right? Have you processed enough to be able yeah. to say whether or not you, you like it? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for letting me process. I mean, I, I, it probably wasn't going to change, but I, I just, I, I really like it, and I really like how thoughtful this is, and how almost more of a drama. We keep saying Godfather in space, and it still is. It just feels like that, and that really works for me. This whole show really works for me. Um, I was so worried about it, and mm-hmm. I'm getting less and less worried about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I haven't coalesced my thoughts around this, so I'm going to just say, say it because I'm sure we're going to be dealing with the huts. Going forward, so I'm going to put I'm going to put nuts. I'm going to put this in the back of your head, so maybe we can discuss it in later episodes. But one thing that I needed to really spend some time and am still thinking about is what the hut culture is, oh, yeah. and why are people scared of them? Why are they so powerful? There's some canon stuff that's interesting there, and I hope they explain it a little bit going forward because mm. it is kind of odd on its face that everyone's so scared of these immobile space slugs that. Yeah. You know, you could just wrap a chain around their neck and they couldn't do much about evidently. Um, but you know, I think there's probably some explanations about that. If you if you looked at the Godfather, like would you really be that scared of Don Corleone, like this old yeah. fat guy? Um, but he has power. And so what does that power mean? I hope that's something they dive into a little bit more in this series. Because yeah. that was one thing I walked away with. I just like I had to Google like, why are people scared of the huts? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I hope that's kind of talked about a little bit, but otherwise, yeah, I'm, this is working for me. Great. I'm, I'm really happy with it and I'm, I'm excited to keep jumping in. Yeah. I, I agreed. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. And, um, one last question for you. Do you know the hut's name? Is this, the, that wasn't, um, I'm trying to remember if those two huts have appeared cause we've seen so many of them in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, um yes, know? I will look it up. It is, they're called the twins. And I don't think they are ones that we have seen before. There's, okay. uh, 
Jabba. No, I don't know if they said the name. Actually, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, and they're just called the twins. But I do not think they are ones that we have seen before. Okay, interesting. All right. Yes. So, yes, I'm looking forward to learning more about them. Cool. Before we close this out officially, I want to do one quick shout out to Megan, um, who sent us a very, very nice email. Um, it's just, it's just very sweet. Um, yeah. She said that she was. She's rewatching Rebels and uh, yeah. listening to our backlog. She's evidently listening to an episode, our episodes that came out like three years ago. And evidently we complained about how no one emails us. And so she just emailed us because we were, we were bummed that we didn't get emails. So, you know, we've gotten a few more since then. So, but it's just very nice and thoughtful of you and we really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Um, and it also, it also sparked me just thinking how wild it is that this started as a rebels rewatch podcast. Yeah. And we started this podcast before rebels was even done. So yeah. it was before last Jedi it was before most of the new movies. I think maybe rogue one and force awakens were the only new star Wars movies that were mm-hmm. out when we started this podcast. So I'm just very curious about if there's wild things we said, like wild predictions that if people revisit our episodes, they were like, Oh yeah, Ezra Bridger is definitely showing up in last Jedi or something like that. And that are just completely wrong. So if you ever, if you are re-listening to it or any chance and you notice anything just insane that we said, please tweet us, please email us. Cause I would really like to know the bananas things that we just throw out there every once in a while. How wrong are we? I know. Right. But thank you again, Megan. That was very, very nice and thoughtful for you to send that out to us. And we appreciate it. And if you want to email us, you want to ask us a question, we're still accepting star Wars haikus. Um, That's fun when we get those and we will read those out as well. Our email address is rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com. You can also find us at rebelsrebelspod on Instagram and Twitter. Mike, is there anything else you want to say or do before you... I'm going to put it on you today to ad-lib an exit. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you jerk. (laughs) 